Rocks you attacks with Tuscan teeth. Cofagrigus is go, go, ghosty. Darmanitan is so, so toasty. Basculin comes in red and blue. Blitzel is electric and cute. Audino can hear everything. Deerling goes with a seasonal thing. Drillbur has a couple digger paws. Fracture has a powerful jaw. Muna gets inside your dreams. Lipert is little dark and mean. Servine lives out in the weeds. Samurai's sword is strong indeed. Zoroark is crafty and dark. Is dance like rock. I can't stop catching them all. 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 March twelfth, two thousand and eleven. 8.5-bit episode 9. I'm your host, Stephen Lamb. With me tonight is just Ian Matty. Man, PopCap lied to us. I'm telling you, man, it's, it, it, it's, it's horrible. You know, they, they tell you plants versus zombies. That's not right. It's, it's not true. It's zombies the, the, attacking plants? No, no, the zombies, the, the plants are the zombies. You're a zombie. No, man, it's true. It's true. There's zombie ants out there, man. It's true. I'm telling you. You're a zombie. <laughs> you don't believe me, but I mean, they, they found zombies. The, the fungus it turns ants into zombies. You're a zombie. I was a zombie last week. All right. So, unfortunately, uh, Errol is no idea where to be found. And... Uh, yeah, and JD's not feeling too well this week, so it's just me and Ian for you guys this week. Unfortunately, last week everyone was sick, puking, and shitting out of their, you know, peeing out of their bums, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was not a pleasant scene. Myself, it, I wasn't uh, puking or anything like that, but it was uh, a massive cold that, that hit me, like, really hard. Took me down for four days straight. Yeah, I went out Friday night drinking. Uh, people were paying me to lick stuff, so I think that's why I was sick. <laughs> that's never a good idea. <laughs> I, made 20, I, I, made, I made 25 bucks. All I had to do was lick some coasters. <laughs> that, that, that is awful, dude. Yeah, yeah, you're, you remind me of that, uh, the kid in the you know, like fifth grade. That, you know, everybody is around, I bet you won't do this. <laughs> Or I'll give you five dollars if you eat a clump of dirt. Five bucks for yeah, depending on how big the clump is. Dirt's very uh, yeah, dirt's a little tough for me to eat. You know, there were coasters. Our drinks were on them. You know, they give you new coasters whenever you sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I offered to eat one for thirty bucks. <laughs> oh, that would have been tough to pass in the morning. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why you were sick. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. So this week on the show, uh, we talk a little bit about the uh, usual stuff, uh, new releases for the week of March 14th, uh, some video game news, and uh, a little bit of this and that, what we're playing, all that good stuff. So let's just jump right into it there. Uh, since we missed last week, uh, last week was the week of Pokemons. Pokemon. Do you get Pokemon? No, I, you know, I've never really been a big fan of the Pokemon. I, I, mean, I don't know if I, what it is. You know, I, mean, I, I look at it and I think, hmm, it, it looks like on, on the surface, it looks appealing. Yeah. 
in the sense that you know it, it sounds like it's a really great game that would uh, uh, scream at the OCD in me to well collect them all. Um, being the inner collectionist, and I wouldn't be able to put it down. But at the same time, it's almost like the same aversion that I have to Disney. It's just too overly cute, and it just screams. Well, apparently they uh, they brought up the whole the uh, whole talk about whether it's ethical to capture Pokemon in this one. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, apparently the uh, Penny Arcade actually had a uh, comic about that. I think it was last week. Oh yeah, yeah, the the, the black or white. Uh, actually, no. There's that. They're actually just straight up talking about uh, well, the strips called Pokemon Morality and Taiko's unsurprised slash impressed that black and white would raise questions with the ethics of capturing Pokemon. And then Gabe goes, "Oh God, not this granola shit again! Oh my Pokemon have free range. My Pokemon have to be shade grown. I got all my Pokemon secondhand from this amazing swap meet down by the dot dot dot. Fuck you! I see a Pokemon I wanted. I take it." I teach it to hate, I teach it to win. I put a Pokemon in the chamber and pull the fucking trigger. <laughs> so it's like an animal cruelty type thing, apparently, they bring up. Okay, yeah, I was thinking of the, the one prior to that, when they're, uh, they're Taiko and Gabe are oh, yeah. deciding which one to buy. Yeah, which one to buy. I was like, I think I'll go with white, because you're racist or whatever. And Yeah, white supremacist. <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, well, I'll go black. Race traitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it has uh, all new uh, Pokemon in it too. Yeah. Um, you will not see a single repeat Pokemon until you actually finish the game. Apparently, from the old series, I mean. But yeah, I don't know where my DS is even. Um, <laughs> if I knew where, maybe I'd buy it. But yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might, I might pick it up. Uh, well, not buy it, but. Uh, like download it or rent it or what something, give it a shot. I mean, there's a lot of people out there. It gets a lot of rave reviews and that. I mean, I probably should just throw it in, just you know, even try it. I mean, I did that much with uh, with Kingdom Hearts. I mean, didn't get really much very far into it, but uh. yeah. All right, so week of March 14th. Let's see what's coming out here. Uh, Artone, Lico, Quoga, and Nell of our Seal. Uh, PlayStation <laughs> Three. These Artone, Lika. Or, yeah, Lico games are apparently pretty good. Yeah, I've heard that, too. I, I don't have a clue how you'd even begin to pronounce that. I'm pretty uh, sure, like, Artone Lico is how you actually say that beginning part. I don't know what the rest of it. It's just all, kind of, all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. Uh, that comes out on March 15th. Uh, Shogun 2, Total War, Windows uh, 7, Vista, and XP. March 15th again, Okami Den, Nintendo DS, March 15th, Yakuza 4, uh, I'm assuming Errol is going to get that, unfortunately he's yeah, not he's with also, us here. Yeah, he's also big on the, the Shogun Total War as well, I was talking to him about yeah. it earlier. The They're actually not bad games, they're kind of like uh, Risk, but then once you get into battle you start micromanaging a lot, it's kind of like an RTS, but not really, it's, like a, it's a bit of a niche market, or niche market, whatever, however you say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one game that I never re- like the. Well, that's PC, so that's probably the biggest reason why I've never been able to get into them. Yeah, I don't like sitting at my computer for hours on end. It's just even though I have a really nice desk, comfortable setup, big screen, it's just my. I find my hands get ice cold from gri- gripping the mouse and re- and holding onto the keyboard. Uh, oh yeah, it just 
it's very uncomfortable. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Depends on the game for me. Uh, Civilization Five. I remember a lot of nights like you know one more turn three three a.m. later. Oh shit! Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. I remember those days. Those were good days. Good times. Yeah. Uh, Top Spin Four, PlayStation Three, Xbox Three Sixty, Nintendo Wii. Uh, played a demo. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Got to put in, a bit more spin on it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, I don't even know. I. Didn't score a single point the entire time I played it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, fit in six, move compatible, not a game. PlayStation Three. You know you can run in spot in front of a camera. That, uh, that, yeah, <laughs> I've heard a little bit about that. Uh, it's supposed to be half decent, but uh, I don't remember where. So I'm I'm gonna say that. Uh, I'm assuming it's, it's a six minute workout. Nope, six ways to get in shape. Just put down the fork. <laughs> There's one way. History. Great Battles Medieval from Maximum Family Games for PlayStation 3. Uh, Never even heard of this. Nope. Can't say I have either. Uh, Chick and Sony (laughs) PlayStation uh, Arxis. They do a lot of uh, Japanese stylish game, anime game type things. Uh, no idea what this thing's about either. You know, so informed here. Uh, 8.5 bit. Uh, fit yeah, in 6 uh, for Nintendo Wii. Honest, I've never heard of uh, Decandia either. Uh, yeah, well, Arc says you do a lot of those uh, import games or localized games or whatever from Japan. Yeah. Uh, fit in 6 again for Nintendo Wii. Uh, dance on Broadway. Nintendo PlayStation Move compatible. So you can dance, like, like on Broadway, do cats in your living room. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do the Spider-Man, the yeah. Spider-Man Broadway show. Yeah. Uh, you, you can break your own neck at home. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Top Shot Arcade. Activision Blizzard, Nintendo Wii. No idea what that is. The Domo Starter Kit by Hori for Nintendo DS. So, accessory kits... Uh, Surprised that that's yeah that's coming out now. You would think that uh, it would have came out a long time ago. Yeah, you know, or this thing would be for uh, 3ds. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And let's see here, MotoGP 1011. The hell? Oh, MotoGP 10 slash 11. You know, they can't afford to put out one game, so they two games, so they just put it all together into one. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and think that's it for the week in uh, new releases. Uh, Tuesday, Shumagoroth and Jill for Marvel's Capcom Three. Other than that, any more DLC you can think of? Um, nothing immediately comes to mind. Uh, there's uh, was some Halo uh, Halo Reach Defiant map pack that comes out on Tuesday. If you're mm. a Halo fan. Uh, surprised actually Homefront's not listed on Amazon. Yeah, that's supposed to be coming out right away, isn't it? Yeah, apparently it's Tuesday according to Game FAQs. Yeah, that's right, because I was uh I was late reading that on um oh, what was it? Uh IGN. Uh, apparently that the you know, they're working on a review and they wanted to do multiplayer uh over the like the the following week. Yeah. Uh, the day it came out, so that's kinda surprising. 
Yeah, maybe it might it might have got pushed back and it's having to update it, but that's what it says here for the fifteenth. But you know, we'll see what happens. Kind of interested in this game actually. I haven't seen much about it, but yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, I haven't seen much about it either. But I mean, it's been getting a lot of. Uh, it's been getting a lot of press. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know much about it though. That's that's the thing. But, uh, you, I don't even know. Is it an FPS or yeah, RPS? Yeah, the FPS. The year is 2027. Her infrastructure shattered and military in disarray. America has fallen to a savage occupation by the nuclear-armed Greater Korea Republic. Abandoned by her former allies, the United States is a bleak landscape of walled towns and abandoned suburbs. This is a police state where high school stadiums have become detention centers and shopping malls, shelters, armored attack vehicles, join resistance, and united and fight for freedom against an overpowered military force in fronts gripping cinematic single-player campaign penned by John Melius Apocalypse Now Red Dawn. Thanks for an epic, groundbreaking multiplayer action, all set in terrifying, plausible near-future war. So Korea attacks us. Or our southern neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's North Korea, isn't it? Uh, just this Korea. I'm assuming it's North because they're the evil ones. Yeah, that's, that's from what I remember about here. From what I've heard of it, uh, it's North Korea attacks. They've been uh, playing that up uh, pretty heavily. Apparently there's been a lot of... Uh, um, uproar about that in, in Japan. They've had to change it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess there's still a bit of tension between there. So, yeah, yeah just, just, just a little. Just, just a tad, just a bit. Yeah, just a tad. Uh, Dragon Age came out last week. I know you got that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, really enjoying it. A lot of fun. Um, you know, they really they tweaked up the combat system so it's more action oriented. Uh, they changed it a lot from. To more the Mass Effect style, I guess you could, would be the best way to call it, and that oh, okay. they they fixed combat. Yeah, I know uh, combat was kind of tedious in the first one, where you just yeah, it just felt kind of a bit clunky. Yeah, because it was built around like the PC almost, mm-hmm. where it was like you know instead of it was point your character in a direction, hit a button, and watch him go. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, I think, was built more for the PC aspect. Like yourself, uh, you played the demo there. Yeah. Uh, you got a pretty good taste of the actual combat on it. So um, there's not much more to it in that regard. I, you know, I, I decided after last our last podcast to download that and um, just give it a shot, see what it was like, uh, yeah, the yeah. demo that is. And uh, I enjoyed it. Not It wasn't, uh, it was really, I liked the radial... Uh, what was that the conversation? It's more like Mass Effect now, where yeah. it has like what do you, yeah, where you just spin the good, evil, neutral, whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it was a lot more defined as to what you were saying. Whereas in the first one, it was more about oh, I'm going to choose this, and you end up yeah, it's kind of kind of vague. Way just say like one word, kind of vague. You have no idea exactly what you're actually going to say, pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, uh, it would be like. You know, the, the hint would be, well, maybe, and then you, you select it and your guy goes into a diatribe rage over, you know, some misappropriated thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else you've been playing? You want to talk about a Dragon Age at all? Um, well, I'll get to that. I might as well go over, you know, I haven't been playing a whole heck of a lot. Um, play, uh, finished Bulletstorm. Um Still, I I really enjoyed that game. Yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot to the replay on it, unfortunately, uh, but the story is really good. Uh, it, it's a bit slow to start, but it picks up, and the characters they grow on you quite 
quite solidly throughout the game. Uh, a lot of fun. Really enjoyed my time with that. Because, you know, it just becomes crazy where you're sliding all over the place, launching guys up in the air, blasting them with various weapons, getting all these uh, point combos flying off, and it's a, a hell of a time. All right. Um, After you finish the game, there is what's known as the Echoes, which is sort of like the challenge, the t- like uh, they give a chunk of a scene in the, a particular chapter of the game, and if you have a time limit to run through, it gives many skill shots and kills uh, off to get a three-star ranking in it. Unfortunately, it doesn't really do much to extend the life of the game because it's just playing, like replaying certain sections of the game rather than uh, like special challenge maps or anything like that. Okay. So it was, yeah, it's a bit disappointing in that regard, but uh, it's definitely a lot of fun. All a right. Lot of fun indeed. Uh, anything else you've been um, getting into? Uh, well, the, let's see. Uh, Dragon Age, obviously. Uh, just started playing that. Um, a pro tip, now, this is a glitch that was just discovered, uh, well, I found it on the, my news sites uh, earlier today. It's an infinite uh, money, infinite experience glitch. Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, the way it works is if you go and talk to a character, like a, like a side, it's a side quest that you pick up, and basically when you come back to finish off the quest, and you go to the NPC that you're talked to to finish it with, as long as it doesn't initiate like a cutscene or a conversation, uh, this glitch will work. And the way it works is you, you press on the PlayStation, you press the X button to draw your weapon, and then, uh, then when move into uh, the range of where you can talk to them. And as the, once the animation to you start to sheath your weapon, just hammer, start hammering on the X button. The X button is also the talk button. And what will happen is it, the experience will chime off every time that you hit the X button, and the rewards will also chime off again and again and again and again and again. You can keep, as long as you keep hitting the button, you'll keep getting the experience. Um, and it really racks up fast. Uh, to give an example of this, I tried it out earlier today, and <clears throat> I went from being a level 5 character to level 21 within a matter of 30, 40 seconds. Okay. Um, that was actually yeah, so <laughs> kind of ridiculous. So it yeah, kind of reminds I'm me sorry? of the, uh, the Fable glitch, Fable 2, where uh, it's actually go split-screen multiplayer. If you have someone come in, they'll duplicate your character. Once that person leaves, all that experience that character gets will actually transfer into the original character. It's oh, a, yes. Yeah. That's what it kind of reminds me of. So pretty much just, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so I've been playing that. Playing that. Uh, I haven't got too many hours into it. I'm thinking about six hours in. Uh, I haven't, like I say, I haven't had too much time to play. I'm hoping to get a bit more in over the weekend. But uh, yeah, so far, uh, really enjoying it. I think they uh, upped the level of completion with it. One thing that's nice is you can actually import your save uh, either from your previous game, uh, be it Dragon Age Origins, uh, whether you completed it or didn't complete it, or you can import it from uh, the expansion of the Awakenings, the Witch Hunt. um, There's two other uh, DLC that came out that you can also, also bring in. 
uh, for the events of what happened. Because basically the start of the game happens right as um, the opening events of Dragon Age Awakenings happened with uh, what happened in Ostagar. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, it quickly jumps for a year forward. So it have it. The rest of the game carries on at the end of the after the blight has ended, and you're no longer in uh, Orzammar, but you're now in uh, Kirkwald, a city that's apparently across the ocean, from what I can tell. Yeah, because I wasn't available in the first game, so it's got to be somewhere off some ways. Yeah, so I mean that, that game. Uh, it's so far, it's a, a lot of fun. I, I, quite see myself sinking a number of hours into it um i i so far the difficulty the one thing that i really had a problem with in dragon age one where it was like a roller coaster ride where we go from you know a cakewalk to a slaughterhouse within a matter of seconds regardless of the enemy hasn't been that bad so far it's pretty constant pretty stable i mean i'm playing on normal um they also had they they have added in a hard difficulty, as well as a nightmare difficulty as well into it. Uh, and is, there a, is there an easy difficulty? Yes, <laughs> or is normal? Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, the, the, also, your, the tactics uh, are easier to navigate. And like the tactic slots they had in the first one were just a, a, a virtual nightmare for console players to try and set up the, the tactics. And you actually had to put points into gaining more tactic slots for your companions or for yourself, which I thought was an, an absolutely ridiculous... I think, I think they actually did that in the first one too, didn't they? Where you uh, could... No, that was in the first one. Sorry, um, that's what I was talking about. Oh, okay. In the second one, you automatically get tactic slots. As you level up, you're given more. Automatic. Okay. Oh, okay, uh, the, okay. Yeah, the skill trees are easier. Um, you can actually... Uh, I found a potion, like the shop in the game, that you can buy a potion at a fairly cheap price that you know you can uh, you can take and then respec your entire character from all the attribute points and all the skills where you assigned them. So you're you know you can you can play with it. So if you can try out a different route, and if you don't like that, you know go buy this potion and then respec your entire character. Okay, that's true. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great idea because then it doesn't really kind of limit you in the sense that you know you have to pick, be so picky and choosy about what spells or abilities you're taking. You can actually you know play with it a bit more. Um, the armor system in it is interesting. I'm not really sure what I think of it just yet. You can still armor your your main character just as in the first one with all trinkets and everything like that, but it's your companions that I find kind of interesting. You can pretty much change their weapons uh, for the most part. Um, I'm not really too... Sh- like, the reason why I say that is because uh, you get one character, a dwarf, right very early on. You can't change his weapon out. It's uh, a custom weapon for him, uh, specifically for him, but you can't change it with anything, which I find kind of interesting. He carries a crossbow, and uh, it actually is levels up and uh, cre- you know powers up that way. The same thing with your the your companion's armor. You can't change their main armor. Is that uh, I'm not for, sure. Is that for all of them or just this one guy? No, for all of them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had three characters so far. Uh, they're, again, they're all pretty much the three start 
three of the early Kiss characters, your brother or sister, depending on uh, what whether you play male or female, uh, a dwarf, and a another female Templar that you meet right at the beginning as well. <clears throat> but you can't change their armor, which I find really interesting, because you you can go when you go over to them, it will. When you bring up your character's uh, inventory and their armor specs, and you go and you, you compare armor to what you have and what you have in your backpack and what you're wearing, it's like, okay, no problem. You flip over to another character, and all of a sudden, the line is added in is uh, exclusive for your character, for any of the armor. It's, I mean, I've run into that with even, like, a warrior armor. I'm playing a mage. It's exclusive for my character, which I find, found quite interesting. You can add uh, like the trinkets, like the rings, the amulets, the belts. I believe the 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 helmets as well. You can uh, add, but you can't do that. You can't change the actual armor that they're wearing, which is kind of interesting because it then brings into less uh, micromanaging with uh, the armor, which I kind of like. Okay. Um, well, it seems like they're trying to sim- like simplify the game a bit with the whole not swapping your armor and weapon and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know that in the first game, I think it was, it was more based on PC audience for like people that played Baldur's Gate and stuff like that previously. Um, I think they're just finding that they probably didn't make too many sales on uh, PC for Dragon Age, the original one, uh, which is why they're just trying to slightly gear it more towards uh, console players now and trying to simplify well, think- it a bit more. Yeah, I think that's a smart move. I mean, the console players, you know, they loved the first one. Um, they, and with the combined consoles of the, both the PS3 and the Xbox out there uh, being somewhere probably in the neighborhood of 80, 90 million units in the, the North America alone, I mean, that's no small small market to, to balk at. And I find, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but the console market, it seems to be expanding. At, well, the, the PC market seems to be becoming more and more of a niche market. Yeah, I think we talked about this for another episode, but just yeah. the amount of money it takes to keep up your system to, into a good shape to actually play games now, it's just it costs way too much. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. people they don't like sitting in front of their computer screens anymore. There are still a lot of people that do, but... Pretty much every year, I'm pretty sure the the PC games market is actually shrinking. Yeah, I'm thinking the PC market is becoming more and more of like the the indie and the casual uh, indie games stuff market. like that. Yeah, because uh, a lot of it. I mean, I wonder if it is <clears throat> more expensive to produce the game on the PC. Oh, because de- of definitely, the, uh, definitely not. It's. Uh, it's more expensive to produce it on the consoles, but just the number of sales you're going to get on the consoles combined will outweigh the PC sales for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's a bit off topic. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely am really enjoying, enjoying it so far. Um, oh, one other thing that uh, I think that they realized that they kind of goofed on with uh, Mass Effect was in Mass Effect there was the, the helmet issue where the helmet would always be seen on the character. Oh, yeah. So you you go up to a bar and you'd be, you know, drawing a stupid, ugly helmet. Yeah, like, like a full facial helmet, talking with people, and they would bring up a glass of wine, like a booze to your face, and it just pouring it down through your, 
through your helmet. It didn't show your face. <laughs> like, I, I think there was an option in the video menu to actually turn helmets off completely, but then you had no helmet ever. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, they actually have it in Dragon Age that you can um, ma- basically make your helmet invisible so it doesn't cover your face. Yeah. Uh, y- your character will still be wearing it. Yeah. You'll still get all the benefit of it, but you won't have it covering your face or anything like that, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I know uh, World of Warcraft had that implemented a long time ago where people wanted to see their avatar's head so you can actually turn the, the graphic of the helmet off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's actually like you, you don't really think about it, but you know, it is a pretty big part of the, the game. Because a lot of this, a lot of the equipment that you get, it's like, yeah, it looks stupid. I don't want to wear it, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. You want all the bonuses, but you don't want, all, you don't want to, I mean, with how expansive their facial creator is, the character creator. It's probably one of the most you know in-depth ones that I've seen, um, rivaling that of Demon Souls. Yeah, it's I mean it is really in-depth. I I have to take one uh, uh, gripe against is that the hairstyles that they have are very seem very limited. Uh, yeah, it's probably like seven or eight styles, and they're all pretty ugly. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're yeah about eight. You know, no, I think there's a bit more, but they all seem to mimic each other. They all seem to be based on you know. The same blind hairstylist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, in the demo, I didn't actually get a, you don't actually get to play with the uh, the character creator in a demo at all. But uh, yes, yeah, normally one of the things about well, a lot of games, they'll build their character builder really well. Then suddenly you get to one section of it. Like usually, it's like the hair section where suddenly it just looks completely stupid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, like the this is very in depth um they really kind of limited on the colors of the hair and on the hairstyles that's what i i found that i was a bit disappointed with but uh i decided to go with the the default uh character yeah oh oh another tip in designing your character just off the top which i found uh, i ran into is that if you do want to customize your character when you get the chance to define them uh, the first two portraits uh, that you, like uh, the preset portraits, are the the ones that you cannot change. If you want to craft your own, you actually have to go over to the third portrait or in any of the other ones, and then you can start. You know, then you can make modifications on it. They will not let you make modifications on the original two. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Yeah, I found that really kind of bizarre too. Uh, I don't really know why. But um, I didn't figure it out that like how to change my character's facial appearances uh, until like after about five or six minutes of just being kind of frustrated, like what the hell? <laughs> you know, I, I just want to change the hair color and see what kind of colors they have. Why won't you let me do this? And then stumbled upon it afterwards. All right, anything else you've been playing? Um, yeah, I've also been uh, playing the uh, Mortal Kombat demo. Yeah, how's that? Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's um, you know, it gives me uh, hope for fighting games again that I might actually be able to have some decent skill at. It's it's very Mortal Kombat, um, but uh, the balance, like the the controls, are, are seem very tight. It has four playable characters right now. The the Mortal Kombat demo is only open to PlayStation Plus subscribers. I think on uh, actually on Tuesday it uh, goes public for everyone else. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have uh, a choice of four characters uh, to play through the demo: uh, Melina, Johnny Cage, Scorpion, and Sub Zero. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's some basic characters. Uh, the animations are are quite decent. Uh, the nice thing about when you pull up the move list is it not only gives you all the basic moves, but it also gives you some basic combos that you can do. Okay. And it will show you all the special moves. And it will also also show you how to do the character's fatality and stage fatality. Oh, which okay. Is, which is nice. I mean, I, you know, that's one of the, the, the funnest parts of that game is the fatalities. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I definitely commend them on bringing that in. All right. Uh, like, I watched a video... F- introduction from uh, avoidingthepuddle.com uh, Eris over there that he actually did a uh, first impression of the demo um, mm-hmm. unfortunately he like he's a fighting game player but he he's a Tekken player so he had no idea what was going on but uh yeah he it looked it looked okay I was never been really a big fan of Mortal Kombat but you know I don't think I'll buy this one but I'll, I'll take a look at it probably see if I can uh, rent it or something Mm-hmm. Well, I've never been a, a huge Mortal Kombat fan. I mean, I've played, you know, I was never any good at them, for one. Uh, let me just get that out there. And um, But I, I love the, the, the gore factor to them and the, the blood, and that's what drew me to them in the first place when, back when they first came out. Um, my trophy wife is an absolute fan of the Mortal Kombat series. Absolutely loves them. Um, and she is uh, quite looking forward to, to it. After she got a taste of the demo, she wants more. Uh, unfortunate for her she has to wait an entire month before she gets it yeah but uh, uh, at the end they show off a bunch of like uh, like just some of the combos and the features like there's a tag team system in it as well now and uh, some of the combos that they that are pulled off by you know obviously very accomplished players are mind boggling uh, what what they do and it's really quite interesting. To be able to pull that off would be quite something. Yeah, I know that uh, based on the demo, a number of players I've already found like 80% uh, damage combos, 90% damage combos without using the x-ray. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I find really interesting that I'm looking forward to is the their test your luck. Like they used the yeah, they, they brought back all those little mini-games between matches or whatever, right? Yeah, and they've yeah. It used to be only test your might, uh, but now they have uh, test your sight, uh, test your strike, and test your luck. Uh, test your luck, I think, will be the the probably one of the the funnest uh, modes to play online. Because when you start, it basically it starts off as a regular match, but before you can actually start fighting, a big like uh, Vegas style slot wheel appears at the top and spins off, and it, it changes things about the game. Like you could, it could flip the screen upside down. Um, it can uh, be uh, armless combat in which your your character's arms fall off and you can no longer punch. You can dis- disable jumping or blocking or headless combat or um, like two times damage or you know all sorts of just weird random factors thrown into it. So I I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, anything else? Um. I th- think that pretty much cover, covers what I've been playing. Um, how about you? Uh, myself, I uh, just started Dead Space 2. I'm um, on to like, chapter 2. I'm going to be like a half hour, 40 minute stops. Yeah, it feels mm-hmm. like Dead Space. Um, unfortunately, it feels like Dead Space. I don't know how long I'll play it. It's, it just seems like, at the moment, it seems like it's trying to get those cheap uh, scares out of you, really. Like when, they, when you're in the elevator and all the lights go off. It's, oh my god. You know, yeah. Uh, 
I might be a bit of jaded about that, but you know, it's nothing especially great about it yet. It's a solid game so far, but I don't know. Yeah, stick with it. It is a solid game. Um, it does get better. Uh, the cheap scares are, you know, is what I think it really uh, thrives on. Yeah, is the sh- like you know like, build like up an, tension, yeah. build up tension, and then unfortunately, get shot. yeah, unfortunately, there's not a lot they can really do to change that either way. It's like there's nothing really they can do to can't, unless like apart from adding another dimension to the game where they actually come out of the screen, there's really nothing they can really change about that. That's pretty much the only way they're actually going to scare people in video games now, right? It's pretty much the those cheap scares, like turning off the lights, suddenly you're attacked by a guy type thing, right? Yeah, that seems to be the the one thing that on that. I mean, I remember a game that um, back on the PlayStation 1, Clock Tower, did you ever play that? Uh, no, but I, uh, know of it. In that game, that game did, uh, horror, survival horror really well. Because basically, I mean, you were, I, I don't remember really much the story, but the, the enemy was, like, a, basically a midget with, uh, a pair of giant, um, garden shears. And he was running, you never knew where he was in the, the various settings that you were like one was a a school another one was uh like an old cabin and you were tracking down trying to find out why you know where he came from what was going on and that did it really well because you never knew where they were going to show up and it was always random it was like you never you couldn't like say you know if you walked into a room okay he's going to come from the right hand side or he's going to be behind this door Basically, what would happen is like the music would start up in pitch and start building, and you knew he was coming, but you didn't. Again, you didn't know where, and you knew your character had to hide in order to get away. So, I mean, it built up a lot of tension and suspension in that way because sometimes the the hiding place that you chose, he knew where you were. Like he'd come in and he would look in certain spaces at certain times. Or if you were running from him, I remember one scene in particular, it was in uh, an old school, you know, ran to the elevator. Like this is what, you know, one of the ways you could escape him. Ran to the elevator and you have to start mashing the button to try and hope that you can get the, the closed button to clo- close the elevator doors in time because you see him coming, you know, from a first person sort of perspective. And it really drove up the the the, the suspense in that and the horror. Yeah. So Any time you went into another room, you didn't know if he was going to be in that room or not. And if he was, then you had to run because you could not fight back. That was the, that was the thing. You were powerless against him. You had to run and try and hide and hope. Oh yeah. Well, like that's the yeah, thing. No. Like like some games have done that where you don't really have any weapons. I know one of the newer Silent Hill games. You actually don't have any weapons at all. You can't actually fight. Unfortunately, because so many games have done it previously, mm-hmm. it's not doesn't have really the same effect anymore, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of worn off a bit. I do agree. Yeah, especially like the whole monster closet type things. You know, you turn a corner, there's a guy standing in front of you, or you know, there's a dark corner, a dark hallway. You go in, the lights turn on, type thing. Unfortunately, with horror games now, they've pretty much they've reached an impasse where you really can't do much more with them. You know, they can try to do better writing and stuff like that and actually build, try to build a better story, more suspense, but for the most part, I think they're not going to get any scarier than they are. They're actually going to get less less scary because we're just getting more and more used to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from I don't really play horror games all that much because I'm not a big horror fan. Um, 
But apparently, I think it's uh, a game that's on the PC called Amnesia, I believe it is, um, is an in- insanely uh, horrific game. Like, Yeah, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah, I think that is. I mean, I've heard a lot about that, and it's supposed to be a really, really freaky game. Um, and it's not because it, you know, it doesn't do the monster in the closet thing. It builds the suspense, and you... And it lets the player's imagination create the the horror and the the tension and the the scary the scariness, which I think is you know the core of what you need to do in these types of games. Yeah, you, the less you show, the more the more scared you get. Pretty much, yeah. All right. Um, what were we talking here? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Dead <laughs> Space. Yeah. Uh, so Dead Space. Uh, other than that, unfortunately, I'm pretty bogged down with a lot of schoolwork and stuff like that. So pretty much only other thing I have been playing is Marvel. Um, working on uh, different characters, trying to double up my game. Really. Um, yeah, that's pretty well it. How's Marvel treating you these days? Pretty good. Um, actually, one of the things I want to talk about later on is actually the design of some names and like learning curve and stuff like that. We'll get into that after the news still. Okay. Yeah, Marvel, I, I kind of signed off on and I haven't come back to. Yeah, it's completely understandable. There's a certain point where unless you have to put a lot of hours in, into it and actually want to play it, there's really no point of playing it. Yeah, right. I mean, for me, I think it's just beyond my skill level. And I don't have the desire or the time to sit in and put that effort into it as like yourself who has is a history with these games already has a, a like a, a great head start on comparatively yeah. yeah all right well we'll talk about that a little bit after the news here uh, so let's get on to news um first piece here uh what company is this here what do they call themselves again the game catherine is actually going to be coming out in north america it's a uh, game released by atlas i believe um, originally just for Japan, it's uh, from the same makers as the, uh, well, they're calling it a HD adult horror title from the makers of Persona. Uh, a lot of people have actually been wanting it to come out in North America. Apparently it's getting a release for July of this year at some point. Um, you hear anything about this game at all? Yeah, I've heard a, a few things about that. I think it's, uh, I'm... They actually, I love how they did the press release on it because uh, the day, like a couple days before they confirmed it, Atlas came out and said, we are definitely not releasing this game in North America. It's just not coming. Sorry, not happening. And then what they did was they sent out a press, er, sent out emails to Atlas Faithfuls, um, basically saying, do you still love me? And it was in the like the the pink coloring and the black lettering of uh, the Catherine genre. So like you know it was it was a really deceptive but um, interesting way, like marketing wise, uh, yeah. to, to announce it that it was coming. Yeah, for those that don't know, uh, here's a quick synopsis of the plot. So Vincent is a normal salary man with a somewhat normal life. With a girlfriend of five years or so named Catherine, Catherine is pushing to get married, and Vincent is a bit afraid to do so to do the final tie-downs. Uh, during a night of drinking contemplation of marrying with Catherine, Vincent meets a rather 
beautiful young girl by the name of Catherine. So next the first Catherine's full for K, the other one's full for C. Catherine's charms and beauty are just enough to sway the intoxicated Vincent into sleeping with her. And after a night of sleeping with this mysterious girl, Vincent begins to have horrible nightmares of falling and strange sheep men. And nightmares are slowly getting worse, and Vincent can't shake off the strange feeling that Catherine knows of his cheating of on her. As if that was enough, Vincent learns of unfaithful men dying in their sleep, and his friends tells rumors of the dreams. When you have dreams of when you're falling and you can't wake up, you never wake up again and die. So it's uh, more of a mystery horror type game. I'm guessing it's in like kind of like in the vein of Hotel Dusk style ish. I'm um, really not too sure. I've actually I haven't actually seen any gameplay of it before, but uh, yeah, uh, looks yeah, interesting. It, I find it. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely uh, I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, me too. Sure. Probably. Um, it definitely looks really interesting. That's you know definitely what I have to say on that regard. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it's uh, actually been uh, requested. Like uh, the gamers in Japan, the faithful have found it too hard um, for them. And Atlas was actually uh, came out and said that uh, they're going to release a patch for it in Japan to reduce the difficulty. Hmm. Which is quite surprising, uh, especially a lot of the time. What what will happen in uh, Japan is that you know the games are considerably more difficult than they are here in North America. Yeah, then if they come over here, they make a new mode that's their their easy mode is our normal mode, and their normal mode is our hard mode type thing, right? Exactly. So I mean, to fi- to have Japanese gamers coming out and saying it's too difficult um, is quite surprising. And yeah, it makes me wonder about the difficulty of the game. I mean, I think it look it looks like it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, like just the concept and everything. Oh, the artwork and that I really like. Yeah. All right. So July sometime this year, uh, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty and PlayStation Three. Uh, a little bit on We Dare. So we talked about it last show that uh, shitty game. That's for adults. That's rated Peggy, Peggy 14. Uh, apparently, uh, they're defending their rating by putting a sticker on the game intended for mature audiences. Um, actually, like I actually, what they're saying is they can't actually rate the games based on. They have to rate the game based on the content, not on the context of the game. So just based on what's actually in the game, they had to give it a Peggy uh, Peggy 12 rating. Um, because it's based on sex and stuff like that, they can't actually give it a higher rating than that. Uh, it's actually kind of interesting to me. Yeah, well, I think that's absolutely fascinating too. Uh, it's, uh, like, I, it's, like I completely, I completely see where they're coming from too. It's like, oh yeah, the game just—it don't. You can't really take the game, the context of the game, towards the rating because people may or may not see the same thing. And mm-hmm. just because of the way that their their system is set up, even the ESRB, it, it'd probably get like a T for teen rating here, even only. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean that's definitely quite interesting because you know everything about that um, about it screams adult, but yet the it's the rating on it was so offbeat on it comparatively. Yeah, like based on their system, the Peggy system in the 
in Europe. It's pretty much it contains mild swearing, minor assault on a human-like character, and words like activities that amount to obvious sexual innuendo, explicit sexual descriptions or images, and sexual posturing, which pretty much is is based on that description alone. You would just say that's like a teen rating rated game, right? Yeah. And so they rated it as a pretty much a teen game, but because the context of it where they actually it's intended for a mature audience, they can't actually give it a mature rating because of the, what's actually in the game. Yep, yep. So it's almost like the you know it's a, a catch twenty two in essence. Yeah, pretty much. Um, further news with that game. Uh, apparently, it's actually not going to be released in the UK. Uh, so no release in UK, no release in US. Uh, kind of makes you wonder who's getting it then. Japan, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they go through all of this to put out a a trailer for it That's in it. the UK, <laughs> <laughs> and then they say, "Well, it's definitely not coming to North America, and now it's not coming out in the UK where it's got a rating and a trailer." Yeah. Um, where is it where, coming out? <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Alright, see what else we got here. Uh, lifetime GTA 4 sales nearing 20 million. So 20 million copies of Chantre- or Grand Theft Auto 4 have been sold. Uh, actually not the best-selling game yet. Uh, actually, Call of Duty Black Ops actually just broke the best-selling game in the US. Which uh, kind of... Kind of interesting to me because a lot of people they didn't really like uh, Black Ops actually. Really? Yeah. Um, I can't remember where I read it actually, but I read it earlier this today. But uh, yeah, uh, Black Ops is the fastest selling game in U.S. It's, that is uh, quite surprising. Yeah. That, uh, uh, yeah. Fast sold faster than the Halo apparently, which is really surprising. Well, it's not, you know, considering the what they did with the first one, you know, it's not entirely surprising, but also, you know, at the same time, you know, I think the this Black Ops, even though it wasn't um, liked as much, was definitely, um, I think, sold based on the Call of Duty 2. Yeah. Right. That's, it's, it's almost like the Madden syndrome that's happened with Call of Duty, in essence. Uh, people are saying, "Well, I love the, fir- the the first one. The second one's got to be good, so I better go out and buy it." And then all the, everybody else is jumping on that bandwagon because of all the hype that the the, the other one got. I want, you know, I don't know if that's uh, real, but you know, that's what I, I kind of suspect. Yeah, all right, I found an article here in a statement released this evening. NPD analyst Anita Fraser says that in this in that short time, Block Ops has already surpassed We Play as the best-selling game in history. Activision had released specific U.S. Life to Date sales numbers, but it sold 5.6 million copies in the U.K. and U.S. on day one. And as of October, Nintendo claimed sales of 13 million Wii Play units. So, yeah, day one, 5.6 million copies. That's kind of crazy. That is. I do agree. That is, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, especially since people were a lot of people were complaining that the game came out uh, so quickly after the sec the last one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of kind of interesting to me. All right, uh, let's see what else we got here this week. All right, 
uh, NGP will arrive in Europe this year. Um, yeah, so NGP coming out this year. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really hope that's the, the true. I mean, there hasn't obviously been a release date for um, the North America as of yet, but from everything that I've heard in relation to it, um, that would be really cool. Yeah, I think. Well, like their official, uh, apparently their official statement is uh, it'll get out to at least one territory by the end of the holiday 2011 uh, season. Um, obvious choice would be Japan, mm-hmm. but uh, apparently a lot of third-party licenses are showing that it might actually come out in Europe first, which is actually really weird because Europe usually gets everything like six months after us. Yeah, that's it. Is really quite uh, surprising that that would it would go in that regard in that way. Sorry, makes uh, you know. I would think if anywhere would get it first, it would be Japan because yeah, the, it, it, it would either be Japan or North America. Those are the two big markets, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing with Japan uh, getting it first is that the, the it's their bread and butter uh, for the for. For, the, for, like, for uh, PS, yeah, NGP and PSP, people actually care about the Sony stuff in Japan still. Um, whereas here in North America, it's really rare to actually see people with PSPs that play them regularly. Um, that pretty much, yeah. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Um, LG, Sony, uh, they've been in a lawsuit for uh, patents relating to Blu-ray. Uh, apparently... LG and Sony face courtroom showdown today overseas PS3. So apparently, uh, LG had a bunch of PlayStation 3s seized from a uh, warehouse in the UK, and now yeah, this they're... has actually been a really big developing story over the past week and a half. Uh, basically, it started uh, in the UK that the judge granted an injunction against uh, PS3s being brought into the company and had them all seized. Um, then the latest development uh, that happened just a few, uh, one of the next development after that, which happened just a few days ago, was that uh, there was the judge ruled that okay, uh, all of the PS3s that are to be seized are to be everyone, every PS3 in the country to be seized, even ones in people's homes. <laughs> yeah, they can try to take mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Um, and then uh, just, I believe it was uh, earlier today, it, uh, the injunction has been lifted. Um, and now uh, uh, LG is being ordered to pay damages to Sony. Yeah, I think it's somewhere around like 100000 bucks, something like that, right? And then each yeah. day they don't pay it, it's actually like quarter million or something in yeah, fines, something, additional something, fines. Something crazy like that. But I mean, I think it's, you know, the, the twists and turns that that case has taken is quite something to say the least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, sue, sue each other pretty much until uh, one you runs out of money and whoever's still making money in the end wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, on that, the, the point of the, the suing in that, um, I'm not sure if we, how much we, if this is, like, we talked about this much in the last podcast, but with the, the PlayStation the, that, uh, that George Hotz had cracked the code on it, Sony actually got um, uh, a court order that they could go in and uh, subpoena I, the IPs for anyone that visited George Hotz's uh, site 
or his uh, private uh, YouTube uh, videos of hacking the PS3 from uh, like a year and a half ago to current. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm guessing what they're going to do is just if they find any these IPs that match up people that are uh, big players in the whole piracy hacking scene, that's who they're going to move on. They, they can't move on everyone for sure because some people are just oh. going to go there just out of curiosity, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think what yeah, be people that are big into the hacking scene or people like the ISPs match that of uh, PS3s like that are suspect for you know hacking yeah. or showing you know question questionable uh, material on it. They might use that to ban those ISPs from the PlayStation Network. Yeah. All right. Uh, got two more articles here. Uh, Pro wrestler pitches first known perfect MLB 2K11 game wins nothing. So apparently. Uh, <laughs> Michael Manna, who is also known as professional wrestler Steve Richards, has per- has pitched a perfect game in MLB 22K11. Um, yeah, apparently 2K Sports actually had a contest where you win a million dollars for pitching a perfect game, but he's been thwarted by the rules, apparently. Yeah, uh, it doesn't actually start until April 1st. <laughs> So he pitched the perfect game a little too early. Yeah. Attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually yeah. kinda in, kinda interesting because people like a lot of people they're just, you know, why do you play video games? You're not really getting anything out of it, but hey, pitch a perfect game, win a million dollars. Yeah, they they did that uh with uh, MLB ten as well, I yeah. believe it was. And it uh, actually took some uh, uh was t- one by, I believe, uh, some guy in uh, Texas. Or, and it took a pro- approximately six or seven months after the game came out for it to actually happen. Hmm. All right. So, all right. Yeah, it's it's, kinda, yeah. kinda, well, it's kind of you know, interesting. It's pretty much a way to get people to play your game, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the reason why apparently they they have done it um, is because of how true to life the game is, like the the nuances and everything like that. Um, they they boast at least. I have no idea because I've never played it. I'm just going on what I've heard, but and I probably will never play it because it's a baseball game, and I'm not yeah. r- really too keen on, on the baseball scene. Uh, yeah, we're Canadian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Uh, firmware update for PlayStation Three uh, adds cloud saves, and uh, PS Three is supposedly resecured now too. Do you care about cloud saving, saving stuff to the clouds? I think it's um, something that's um, it's great for backing up the system because there's a lot of say, like a lot of uh, myself having multiple PS PS Threes. Uh, if I want to transfer a save, like, uh, was it, like, Infamous, for example, I think was one of them, where it was locked to the PS3 that you started it on. You could not uh, transfer it. Even if uh, you bought a new system and you were doing a full backup and uh, transfer, it would not backup or transfer those uh, those saves. No, I didn't. Were, no, no, it wouldn't. It would say it would, but it wouldn't. Oh, awesome. So I don't have this infamous save, infamous save anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I may be wrong about infamous doing that, but I mean, I know that there was a few. Uh, Dragon Age did that. Uh, that was one that I know. Uh, yeah, I played that on Xbox, so. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, so there's issues like that. Uh, it allows 
I, mean, I think it's a build-up for the NGP. I yeah. That's, that's what it's going to be. And more of a, another option for people to, you know, save stuff onto the cloud so that they can free up stuff on their hard drive, for example. I don't like this whole idea of cloud saving and stuff like that. Cloud no, gaming. I'd, I'd rather have stuff locally here. Um, and with yeah. the whole... Uh, the recent thing in Canada here with the uh, capped internet. I, I don't like the idea of having to go through the internet for everything. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. I agree with that 100%. I, I, I would be... I'm all for cloud gaming if it's, uh, there's more than a reason to it rather than just uh, backing up your games. I mean, if the NGP is actually going to be an extension of the PS3 and where you can uh, load your save off your PS3 into the cloud, download it onto your NGP while you're out and about, and continue your game and then uh, do the transfer once again, like back to the PS3 and pick it up, I'm, that, that sounds great. Yeah, that, that makes but, sense. There's no memory card or anything anymore you have to deal with, but that's, yeah... Yeah, but if it's like, you know, hey, uh, you got to save save your game, you have to be connected to the internet to so you can back it up and well, your internet connection's down. I'm sorry, you don't get to play your game. Or you sorry, can't, you just can't save anymore. <laughs> yeah, even worse. <laughs> you know, you you going to have to finish Dragon Age in one sitting now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We- Hello. I think I lost Ian. So it's the Steven Show. Hold on here. Okay, we started the recording. Okay. okay. Alright, yeah. I mean, I think the cloud gaming is, will be more for developers and for re- game reviewers. Yeah. I, I think that's, those are the people that will see the most use out of it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, like even myself, being a, uh, an owner of multiple systems, uh, it's not a big stretch for me to walk from one room to the other to, to you know, go and play. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, and very few people actually have multiple systems. Even it's catering to an audience that barely exists, really. Yeah, it's a very minute audience. I do agree. All right, so that should do it for the news for this week. Unless you've got anything else. Uh, well, the the notice on the the one thing uh, the PS3 um, update, the firmware update. The reason why it is be, you know, being claimed that it's resecured the PS3 is that uh, Sony. Uh, I was there was an article I was reading. I believe it was on Kotaku, where um, one of the like the people who knew like the in, inner workings of the hacking and that basically said. Well, you know, what Sony has basically done is that there's the, uh, the key that was cracked open. Let's call it the, 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 the fail key. They, you know, that was cracked open, and Sony has basically responded with, well, okay, we just won't use that key anymore. Yeah, they've just moved on to a different key now, so they'd have to pretty much uh, yeah. find a different Start key. Start square one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like okay, you you found the, you found a way to crack open, you know, to break that open. Good for you. We just won't use it anymore. It's yeah. So it's it's like it's yeah, pretty much okay. You found this key. We're just going to change our locks now. So you get to find a new key now. Yeah. Which is uh, yeah, it's a good thing for the community in a whole as a whole. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I I'm both pro and uh, for like pro, against 
for and against uh, hacking and for you know piracy and such. I mean, I think it's good in the sense that uh, for people who use it um, legitimately in order for to back up their, their own personal games, which rarely ever happens, even though people say that's all they're using it for. I mean, that's total bullshit. I mean, I'll even claim that myself. But I think it's good to keep um, uh, dying systems alive. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I, there, There's some point where hacking, yeah, it actually is helpful to keep a system there so people actually, it still has some mind share. At the yeah. same time, though, you know, there's people that are just going to abuse the shit out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there, in some cases, um, that hacking is relevant and I fully support it is if you're wanting to uh, hack a system so you can play imports. Yeah. And I think that like that's the that was the whole reason why I hacked my like the, the sole reason I hacked my PS uh, one and my PS two is so that I could play import games. And, you know, buy them legitimately, but then I was able to play them. And that's the reason why I hacked them. And the same goes with my DS. It was so that I could get a hold of import games, which I would never see the light of day here in the North America. Um, so, I mean, to expand the market, I mean, it just, basically I opened it up so that I could experience more, buy more, in essence. Yeah, like I did that for my PlayStation uh, 2 as well. I actually own a couple of Japanese games uh um, that I wanted to play, like Melty Blood and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it does have its place. You know, I didn't really want to have to import a PlayStation Two mm-hmm. to play these games. Yeah, I think that you know, um, I believe that developers, or sorry, uh, hardware makers, they actually uh, promote hacking the system and piracy by region locking the system. Now, I understand well, it, a lot of the systems they aren't region locked, and I don't believe. Well, PlayStation 3, the games aren't mandatorily region-locked. Uh, the 3DS, I don't believe, is region-locked either. Actually, the 3DS is region-locked. Was it the original DS? One of them, I, I know there uh, was a system that's not region-locked that came yeah. off from Nintendo, the portable system. Well, actually, all of Nintendo's portable systems, um, up to the DSi, were all region-free. Okay. Uh, the, the DSi was the first one to go region locked on the handhelds for Nintendo. Then they, and they also have region locked the uh, 3DS as well. Uh, with Sony, uh, they're, they've kind of taken an open approach with the, their systems. The Blu-rays um, are not region locked, both for you know movies and games. Yeah. However, the PS2 games are still region locked. Yeah, PS2 um, is region locked. Yep. Uh, PlayStation, the PlayStation 3 games, apparently it's not mandated that they're region locked. There has been a couple of games that were region locked, but for the most part, I don't believe it's actually uh, uh, mandatory that they region lock the games. Yep. Yeah, Sony's uh, PSP was not region locked. Yeah, PSP is not region locked, which is actually uh, pretty great. I. Like, the whole PSP thing, it's the black sheep, pretty much. You know, there's so much hacking going on, they don't really give a shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they've kind of written it off in that regard. Um, as for the region locking on the Xbox, uh, the Xbox, like, Microsoft said, go, like, do whatever you want. Then there's actually some games are, like, it's about a 50-50 split. Uh, some games are region locked, other games are not. And it tends to be the games you want to play. 
that are region locked, uh, regardless of whether they come out on the, st the, the state side or the, the uh, Japan or otherwise. Okay. And the Wii is uh, full region lock on it. Yeah. Full lockdown. Alright, so, and one last thing I want to talk about here for uh, this episode, uh, pretty much just game design and how we actually play games, it's actually an article off of uh, Games Radar, uh, it's titled StarCraft 2 Player on a Mission to Reach Diamond League with a Garbage Strategy, so, I know you don't play StarCraft 2, but it's actually a, a little bit of an interesting uh, story, according to Destiny, a well-known player in the StarCraft 2 community, players who want to improve their standing up Blizzard ladder system need to master it against mechanics for a strategy is even considered. To make his point, Destiny has been posting videos and matches where he does nothing but mass-produce Zerg queens. His goal is to show how players with a good mastery of StarCraft 2's basic mechanics can earn a spot in the coveted Diamond League, with little or no, no thought to complicated strategies or build orders. According to Destiny, the all-queen build is a garbage strategy that won't work against skilled players, but even though Destiny announces his ridiculous strategy to his opponents at the start of every game, he continues to pull in wins, uh, suffocating the enemy base nearly beneath piles of grouchy Zerg queens. If you're in a league below platinum, it's not because you're not going well, it's not because you're not spending creep, it's not because you're using a bad strategy. None of these are the reasons. The reason is because your mechanics just aren't good enough, explained Destiny in his historic range match, documenting his quest to climb the ladder of an all-queen build. I find this really interesting, especially like RTS games, uh, first-person uh, first shooters to an extent, and uh, a lot actually do fighting games. Um... A lot of people, they set out to be really good at these games, so they look up these match videos and stuff like that, and strategies, mm -hmm. which are all very high-end high, high -end strategies without actually thinking about their basic mechanics and how games actually work. Um, like, one of the reasons why you play these games because you want to win, and so you look up these strategies, oh, yeah, if you do this, you can win. The problem is that you're not doing it well. You, you're, gonna, you're not going to go anywhere, really. Or if yep. you don't, or or especially if you don't understand why that these strategies even work, you're not going to go anywhere really. Um, in terms of fighting games, like you can, like especially with Marvel's Capcom Three, if you you can go look up the biggest combos that will do ninety nine percent damage or one hundred percent damage with no with use of like one hyper meter or whatever, and you can master how to do this combo. But the thing is, if you don't have your basics down you're never actually going to get a chance to actually even use that combo properly. Or if you don't understand, like, the idea of large characters versus, like, the small characters, you can try to do this combo, but it's not, it's just straight up not going to work. Um, I just find it interesting how the games are designed with, like, a basic fundamentals that's required to actually start going anywhere. Um, yeah, so, uh, you have any thoughts on this? Oh, I think that's uh, very interesting. That's uh, fascinating. I mean, I... Admittedly, I do not. I have not uh, played too much of um, StarCraft. It's not because I don't want to. Um, it's because I don't have a computer that can support it. Uh, I love StarCraft. Uh, I played the the first one a lot, and and I think that's absolutely amazing. Uh, that's one of the things that I've always shied away from the online scene about, is because I've never been that great at it. Okay. Um, because of the the complex strategies that seem to need to be there to in order to, you know, have any hope of it, let alone the micromanaging and the speed at which uh, a lot of them play. Yeah. 
Um, so I mean, something like this, something like that, is really quite uh, surprising. Like on this, so we'll post this link in the show notes. But it, he actually goes through his this first match, and at one point, there's someone in the room with him, and they're talking with the strategy and. In the game, most bases, like pretty much all your starting bases will have your row of minerals and will have two uh, two gas fields. He builds on one of them, and at one point, the guy in the room asks him why he's still actually gathering gas when mm-hmm. queens cost absolutely no gas to gather or to actually produce or anything like that. And his response is, um, I really don't, I'm really not too sure why. Uh, well, the thing is really that the reason that the guy even brought it up... The point that he's like, why are you still collecting gas when you don't actually need it? I think that's actually kind of interesting because, you know, why are you collecting gas? Why why are you only collect, uh, collecting gas on one of these things when you could be collecting gas on both of them? Uh, like, basic mechanics and stuff like that are really integral in actually learning these games if you want to play them at a competitive level. And it's not just, you know, I had to build this and then this and then this and then this. You have to understand why and the actual mechanics behind how these things work, right? Mhm. Mhm. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that was. I was just saying, like that's like the problem that I had a lot with it is that um, I, with my uh, level of skill, rather, is that I never really knew how to master the individual units and how to like use them properly, let alone using them in combination. I mean, that, the biggest problem I had a lot of the times is that I would find a particular unit that I liked and I would, you know, build up to that unit, unit and they would be, like, my go-to unit for, for it. And I would get slaughtered because, you know, you, you counter that one unit and I don't really have any way, you know, like I could only launch them in waves, like, you know, a wave of marines, a wave of fire bats, a wave... Pretty much, yeah, pretty much just trying to drown, drown the other... Ground the other player in a unit, pretty much, right? Yeah, I mean the the intricacies and the time of having to devote to it to figure out. Okay, you need twenty five percent of marines, twenty five of siege tanks, ten uh, percent medics, and you know, just you know, in your your group that you send over to actually be um, competent became to, such to the point where it was you know almost beyond my. Um, my skill level in that regard because I didn't really have the the time or the the desire to put in all that effort into it. Like like and that's the thing. It's not even just the composition of your army. It's where how you actually control them, where you're actually placing them within that group, that cluster of units, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're putting your medics up front and you're you have to row up tanks and your marines behind the tanks, you know, it's it's completely useless pretty much. Um, going back to the whole fighting game thing, if you don't like, if you don't understand the fundamental basics of how your hitboxes work and stuff like that, and how your super jump cancels and uh, blah blocking works, how overheads and stuff like that actually work, there's no there's no real point of trying to go into these large combos when if you don't when you don't actually understand how the game is designed to work. Really, uh, I know that there's actually a lot of players in Super Street Fighter Four and Street Fighter. Two turbo actually still that pretty much all they do is just basic fundamentals. There are no really big combos. They're not really flashy players. They just have their fundamentals so down strongly that any players they're 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 pretty much just a force to be reckoned with. I know Ed Maul. He's actually plays a pretty lame game of Street Fighter. Uh, 
Street Fighter 4, where it's just just basic fundamentals, where it's just uh, pokes and uh, footsies and stuff like that. And I find it interesting that a lot of players now, they, they don't really take the time to actually learn these fundamentals when they're actually trying to get really good at the games. And at some point, you know, like you, it, you eventually you start playing a lot of, like, you'll get, it'll get you through the initial, the initial stages of the game for sure. Um, like, you like in terms of StarCraft, uh, the Queen build will get you through Bronze League and Silver League and probably maybe get you into Gold League. Uh, but if you don't have really strong fundamentals, it's not going to take you any further than that. And pretty much any other any any game, you know, your basic strategies will take you to a certain level. But after that level, you're starting to face players with act that actually know how the games work. And at that point, your your basic knowledge is not going to be enough to win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, now. Because there's like most players uh, seem to lack the fundamental knowledge of that, do you think that is a an issue with uh, the game developers or with the players? Um, because is it the game de- that the game developers are either a throwing too much at the player all at once so that they don't uh, spend the time to master those fundamentals, or b don't show the importance? of those fundamentals or how to the nuances of them it's both a lot of players they don't they don't want to take the time or actually look into how the games work to get good and the developers will sometimes or the designers will not give you that information you'll have have to dig it up and go and go into the community and figure it out yourself i mean that's definitely what i found uh with uh street fighter is a prime example is that i felt you know that there wasn't enough of the fundamentals for me personally, like like, uh, like like straight up Street Fighter and stuff like that, they'll give you the the super super basic fundamentals of how your attacks work, but it mm-hmm. won't actually go into the fundamentals of the actual gameplay, like things like pokes and footsies and stuff like that, where you'll actually need to compete at a high level. It'll give you the stuff. They'll you don't normally most of most games they'll give you all the tools you need to play at a casual level. Once you go into anything higher than that, it's it's all usually just community based. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely would. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, the, the article definitely seems to to suggest that a lot of people are missing out out on the core mechanics of the game, which is kind of surprising when you know you think when you think about it. Yeah, like if you don't know the mechanics of the game and how the game actually works, you'll it'll only take you a certain. It'll only get you so far, right? Mm-hmm. And actually. Yeah. Uh, on showryoucan.com, there was actually an article a little while ago on Marvel's Capcom 3, how a lot of players are calling it garbage when they're not actually taking the time to learn the, the fundamentals or the, the nuances of the game, really. And they, you know, they're calling mm-hmm. it a garbage game because of this, because of that, and you know, because it's so random. But at the same time, it's like, look, you, you don't want to actually take time to learn the game. It's a completely different game. You're comparing it to these other games. You, can't, you don't have the right to actually say that. Define the yeah definitively. Yeah, I think that with Marvel vs. Capcom, um, my personal opinion on that is that they didn't do enough uh, showing the building blocks of the game. That's that just be, like they, they, they gave you they gave you all the tools. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. It, it, I, gave, it a, gave you all the a, tools. You need to put a lot of time into it, though. That's the thing. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think that they, if they had expanded the training a bit more. Uh, that I don't think there would be the, as many calls as to saying that it's garbage and that I think the game is in heavily, uh, incredibly complex. 
Uh, there's that, so many nuances. That's the in other. The game. That's the other problem, though. The the mechan- like the combo system in the game is so wide open that it's almost impossible to teach it. Mm-hmm. You can pretty much link any move into another move. There's some moves that won't link or chain or cancel, but for the most part, you can essentially make up your own moves based on just the frame data. Like you know, you have after you do this move, you have a certain amount of time to input another move. Um, depending on what you want to do, you can do whatever you'd like, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know that's where the the uh, training and everything kind of fell down because it is almost. It, I think it's kind of suffering a little bit from being um, a in a series, in the sense that you know Marvel. There's Marvel versus Capcom. Number this being number three is suffering from that because you got all the whole player base uh, that's loved Marvel vs. Capcom one and two. But yet there's so many more nuances and everything else that uh, are being added into this. And I think that the gaming community, um, in fighters particularly, they, 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 what they look for is the core experience from the previous game with, uh, with minor changes or you know, an extra layer added on. But I yeah. think with, uh, from what I've seen in MVC3 is they've added on a number of different layers on to yeah they took the basics of, they like they, yeah they took the bases of the versus series and they added a number of layers on top of that and it's it just it's a whole separate beast from all the other games yeah and i think it frightens a lot of players oh yeah uh, frightens them into the the point of where they they because they can't compete at the level that they used to be they can't they the they thought they were like they were good at mvc2 for example so they think that they'll have this. It'll transfer over to uh, some degree of skill in MVC three. And what's hap- What I think that some people are finding is that the amount of skill that they had, uh, comparatively transferring over, is nowhere near as much as they thought it was. And then they're they're immediately calling it down, calling it down because of that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's again just philosophical debate, but you know. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what it is. Like, pretty much, if you don't if you don't actually spend the time learning a game, you can't expect to get good at it. Pretty much is what it's getting at, right? Yeah, and that's where I think uh, with fighter games and uh, RTS games, they suffer in that because there, there's been such a um, almost a cookie cutter cookie cutter design, like a basic cookie cutter design for RTSs for. Um, for fighters, paper, rock, scissors, in in as most basic. Yeah, and the other problem, like the other problem with the whole fighting game thing, is if you don't if you don't know what you're doing wrong, and you and if you don't know anyone that can tell you what you're doing wrong, there's there's no way you're going to advance pretty much. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that that's that's the the one problem that I see with fighters at this point in day uh, that uh, I don't know how to address. Like, um, like, it, it like, is, especially with Marvel's Capcom Three, the game goes at like 120 miles an hour, and it, yeah. you you're gonna miss that. You're gonna miss that little piece that you're missing, really. Of why, oh, yeah, because, why this yeah, it, work? It's just a, a few frames. Yeah, it's a just few a few frames, frames or one move or one thing you did wrong that yep. you know that you thought you were doing right. It turns out you know you shouldn't have pushed the button. It could could even come down to right. Yeah, when with, with six characters flying around on the screen at you know. Uh, 60 frames per second matches lasting 30 seconds and you're you've lost a match and three life bars to you know a punch when you should have uh did a special 
and the the you know it comes down to that it's so incredibly difficult to see that mistake yeah and if and, you don't you know, yeah, yeah. if you don't if you don't see it and you don't have anyone to tell you what you what went wrong your your drive had to play any game like that is it's just it just goes out the window like the reason why that's the, well, that's like, what happened to yeah, me. Yeah, the reason why people play games is because we want to win or we want to have fun. If you're not having fun, then you're not going to play the game pretty much. And if you know you have no one correcting you why you're missing this or that, you're you're just not going to want to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean that uh, again. That, you know, that's a prime example of why I I've pretty much dropped out of that that game is because I felt like I was hitting myself my, hitting my head against the wall. You know, I would I could I tried changing my tactics. And like, like guaranteed, if like if you if you just keep trying and trying and trying, and you see no improvement in your game, you're not going to keep trying. Yeah. If you see it, like even if you see minute, just slight changes in your game, you're getting better. You're going to keep playing. But if you don't see those changes, you're not, you're just not going to want to play pretty much. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I found. Is I I like, I tried different characters. I tried different move sets. I tried different tactics, and I constantly I constantly failed. Yeah, and it, it 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 really takes the fun out of it. Yeah, and, and, and that goes for happens. that goes for every game. It doesn't matter whether yep. it's Marvel's Capcom or StarCraft or anything really. If you if you keep losing and you don't know what you're doing wrong and you're not improving, you're not going to want to play the game. Pretty much is what it is. That, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, uh, a good another good example of that. I'm playing uh, Ogre Tactics right now on the PSP, um, and. That is an RTS, um, a unit-based RTS game uh, that is very much in that re- in that in that uh, resolve. Now, one thing that I think they did really well in uh, combating that is they have what's known as the the chariot, uh, the wheel of chariot, the chariot wheel, or something like that. Uh, that at any point in the game, what you can do on any map, you can pause it. And you can actually rewind the game by fifty-two, like fifty-two turns, up to fifty-two turns, and then pick it up at any point in there, and you know change the entire outcome of a, a single battle. So, I think you know because, I, and what it says is if you do the exact same thing, the exact same thing is going to going to happen. In other yeah. words, char- you know your character moves up three squares, uh, attacks and misses. It doesn't matter how you know. Let's say they have a 50-50 chance of hitting. You, they move up three squares, they attack. Let's say you rewind, and you do that exact same move. They are going to miss every single time. Well, it's, no so longer... it, it's, it's a definition of insanity. If you, you keep doing one thing and you expect a different outcome, it's not going to happen. You're, you're just insane. Yeah, but what I, th- uh, the, what I find interesting about that is that you know, it tells you, like when you, you go there and you're going to do your attack, you have a 50-50% chance of, of actually connecting. But in actuality, it's all, you know once that you've done that the first time, it is set in stone. Well, yeah, it's, it's so like okay, the, the the future is now written. You've you've tried this. This is what's going to happen. Is what they're saying. Yeah, exactly. And I've used that a few times in that game, and it's it's really interesting. You know, even like the the smallest change, um, like going to, back to the fundamentals and the nuances. I have had uh, battles that, you know, I move up those three spaces, I attack and I miss. I've gone back and I've replayed that one move, and instead of moving up three spaces straight in a line, I moved up uh, four spaces, like three up and then one over to the side and attacked. Now, I still may have missed, 
but that changes how the the AI responded. And like just by moving that to that one different block, even though the attack still failed, it changed how the the AI moved around my characters entirely. And it, I found that really quite fascinating in that regard. In that it did it actually kept track of the that that uh, difference, and it may. It, now, it may seem like a small difference, but it's just like the the whole ripple idea. You know, a small a small pebble makes can make huge uh, a tsunami if given enough time and space. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like the whole print. It's kind of like how Prince of Persia works too. Where you can, if you die, you can rewind a certain amount. You can try again, right? Unfortunately, yep. unfortunately, uh, the way that they have it done in the, your game there is, if you do the same thing, you're, you're, the same thing's going to happen. Whereas in Prince of Persia, yeah, there's a chance that you know you. You are the guy isn't going to block your attack, or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's what I found so fascinating about that. About that is just how such a tiny movement in that regard can shift the entire outcome of the the, the battle. And this could be like a movement twelve. It's going to you know, determine your win or loss at movement one hundred and ninety. You know, you can go back. You know, just that small shift will create such a ripple effect. It's quite interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else to say about this topic at all? Um, not particularly in this topic, but uh, something that uh, I read, I'd, I was looking for the link to it, but I believe it may have been on Kotaku, but uh, Kotaku, for whatever reason, is down right now. Uh, that came out of GDC, was um, in relation to heavy rain. And that... There's a talk on it and about uh, completion of, of video games. Apparently, with heavy rain, uh, they I guess they, they're able to pull this data through um, like achievements and trophies and such. But uh, of everybody that played heavy rain, about 70% of every, all players actually finished the game. Which, you know, and just... That's, that seems really, really high. It is. It is phenomenally high. Um, and you know the, the that was something that they were talking about in the article was how incredibly high that uh, completion rate was because uh, they compared it to uh, Mass Effect Two, which uh, like this was for the, for the Xbox uh, numbers they were using, which you know sold like gangbusters and was uh, actually won you know a number of awards like best game of the year i believe or, or on many sites you know or, or in the top 10 and that game actually only 56% of players that played it actually completed the game well there was that one game uh, there was that one PSN game that apparently like only 10% of gamers at that people that bought the game actually finishes that uh that stunt racing game can you remember what it's called oh yeah yeah um Joe, uh, Joe uh, Danger something, or something like that. Joe, Joe Danger, yeah. Yeah, like, tw- yeah, like 10, 20% actually got to the end of the game and saw the, the end game. Now, this, like, even both of those numbers I find absolutely astounding. I mean, there's, I mean, last year, my game, my completion rate would probably be about 98%. I mean, I, the only game that I can feel, I can remember that I did not bother to complete was Mario Galaxy 2. Uh, and I've actually decided to, uh, this year, um, I'm keeping a log because I wanted to see how many games I actually played this year and how many games I actually finished. Because of this inf- interesting information, 
I find that absolutely astounding that the the number of people that actually complete games is so incredibly low. Yeah, it's, it, it is really low. Um, at the same time, it's kind of, it's weird because games have been getting a lot shorter at the same time, right? Um, now, nowadays, a lot of games will only last you, you know, six, seven, eight hours uh, for the most part for a lot of the games. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people are just start complaining. What well, it's like? Why are you complaining? You're not even finishing these games. Yeah, I know. I mean, that, uh, I, I remember back in the days of the PlayStation One. Um, I, I remember complaining about the length of games. I mean, back in the era of the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, games like uh, really strong RPG games like uh, Breath of Fire, um, the Zelda games, uh, like the, those games, they took upwards of 30 to 40 hours to complete. Um, a, another good example is uh, Final Fantasy VII or uh, Xenosaga. Yeah. Now, what I, f- I found with those, you know, they just were too long. Um, and when Parasite Eve came out, I believe it clocked in around 10 or 12 hours, and I felt that was the perfect time, you know, at, with my schedule at that day and age, because it allowed me to not only complete the game, but not get tired of it, and uh, the play mechanics. But, I mean, I always strive to complete my games. Now, I wonder what is, co- you know, the nowadays, you know, games, as you said, are getting shorter. And, you know, like, look at Call of Duty, for example. Like the campaign of Call of Duty, you can blast through that in six hours, easy. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean, I, I almost feel cheated, in a sense, nowadays, uh, with how short games are, are getting. And I really wonder, what's, what has changed that people are not, not completing their games now? Is it that, uh, like, you know, because there's been so many advances in um, the the mechanics the uh, the controls the graphics the sound the repl- like the the enjoyment everything like that i mean there's no shortage of good games out there but why are people not finishing that's what i you know what is causing people to get you know halfway through and say you know okay i really enjoyed this game but i'm not going to finish it yeah, like, is it the way the games are designed? Is it, you know, because, or the story and stuff like that, presentation? I highly doubt it's presentation, the amount of money that's going into games nowadays. Uh, it's got to have to do something with the players itself. I don't think it's actually the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must be that. I mean, a prime example is Mass Effect. Like, with Mass Effect 2, the story, everything, everybody raved about the game, and for with good reason. I think it was an absolutely phenomenal game. But only fifty-six people percent of people uh, finished it. Now, now, the thing with that uh, that I find really surprising is that the story drove you to finish the game. You wanted to find out what happened. It just kept going and pushing you forward. It never yeah, like led the, up like the entire time during Mass Effect Two. It's they're pretty much telling you, yeah, you're going to have an epic battle at the end of this game. So play the game, get to the finish of it. It's pretty much the entire thing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. The, uh, you know, it wasn't like, you know, with uh, Red Dead, where, you know, it, the middle of the game just bogs down and becomes tedious and dry. Or with uh, games like Call of Duty, where the multiplayer drives most of the, the enjoyment of the game. It, you know, it was a full single player, really well told out story, really well uh, play control, sound, graphics... It was a very a really enjoyable game, and I found it amazing that only fifty six percent of players actually finished it. 
Yeah. All right. Well, the show's starting to run long. Um, I think we're going to call it there. Uh, pretty much all I really want to say is, you know, if you want to get good at games uh, on that topic, you have to actually play the game. You don't play the game, you're not going to get good at the game. Um, talk to people, get into the game community itself too. You can't, you're not going to get good just sitting there playing by yourself, playing against the computer. You know, you, if you actually want to get good, you want to spend the time on it, you're willing to spend time on it, get in there. Almost every single game you find, for the most part, will have some sort of community that will help you out. Uh, I know fighting games, especially, there are, there's a huge community like showreyukin.com, iplaywinner.com, event hubs. There's places you can go, place people that will help you talk to, you know, people you can talk to, read up on, all that kind of stuff. Uh, same thing with first-person shooters, you know, machinima.com, they have a big thing on first-person shooters, um, as well as RTS games, you know, get good at your games if you want to play these games. Uh, next yeah, week, yeah. go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to uh, say on that, uh, from the, the flip side of that, yes, it takes a lot of time from the player, but uh, I think developers, at the same time, if you're going to uh, take the, the cookie cutter mold and change the cookie, uh, not just the icing on top, um, be prepared to add a bit more detail into the fundamentals, into I, the training. Yeah, I think, that, I think that mission mode could have done, like, instead of just a 10, they could have probably bumped it up to like 20 missions that you go through that would have been yeah, a lot I, more helpful i think so too or you know even with the mission mode um giving like a, a computer generated like you know a demo this is what it looks like when it happens yeah the, the other thing though at the same time this is especially for fighting games you can practice all you want in training mode but when your opponent fights back it's a whole different mm-hmm. game <laughs> It when when you're oh, so trying very to, true. yeah when someone's trying to hit you back the the entire game changes pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna offer this up. Yeah, or yeah. If you ever do want to actually sit down and play these games, we'll sit, we'll talk about what's going on. You know, we'll figure it out. I'm not the best player. I'm not pro or anything. I'm top. I'm good casual. But you know, it's it's something. If you ever want to sit down and play uh, like Street Fighter or Marvel or something like that, and actually uh, go through some of the stuff. Yeah, uh, and if you just want to, you know, uh, get feel competent and win a few matches, um, hit me up on uh, PSN, uh, and uh, I'll accept your challenge, and you can uh, <laughs> do it. Uh, you know, bolster your confidence. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> GDC did just wrap up, uh, and hopefully, we'll have the rest of the crew, or at least another one or two people next week. Um, do you want to talk about GDC next week? We'll go at you. Uh, have, sure, we can pull up some articles, whatever we want to talk about. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll cover uh, some of GDC. Uh, see what uh, happened there. I mean, we got a few of the the things from it this week, but uh, I mean, we definitely go into a bit more in depth. Uh, if you, the listeners, have uh, any um, like issues that you'd like us to debate or um, topics that you'd like to hear about, by all means, uh, let us know. All right, so uh, visit us at 8.5bit.libsyn.com. Email us at 8.5bit at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, uh, comments. Uh, read us on iTunes if you got us off iTunes and all that good stuff. Uh, so for 8.5bit, this is Stephen Lamb. Ian, Maddie telling you to beware of the zombie fungus. All right. Uh, yeah, zombie fungus are controlling. It, it's, it's out there. It's in the tropical rainforest. Yeah. It, it uh, takes over ants and uh, turns them into zombies and then, uh, you know, kills them. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Okay. I'll see you guys next week. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>